Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. In this episode, we'll be doing a review of microbiology for the dental hygiene student. Now, there are a variety of species of bacteria that reside and live inside the oral cavity. The dental plaque that accumulates around the teeth is formed by these bacteria, and it grows on and around the natural pellicle that's on the teeth. Now, the two most common diseases in dentistry that we treat as dental clinicians are periodontal disease and dental decay, or caries. Now, the most recent numbers show that about half of our adult population have some level of periodontal disease, and even higher numbers have had dental caries or restorations, and these numbers only increase with age. It's important for you, the dental hygienist, to understand microbiology. And in this podcast, we will be reviewing the pathogenicity of bacteria, the biofilm development, and how these factors relate to the two main dental diseases of the patients that are in our care. Are you looking for study sheets? I've created study sheets that cover the content of this episode. If you're interested or that's something that's going to help you on your learning journey, you can click the link listed right in the description of these show notes. Happy studying! There are some pretty significant characteristics of bacteria that primarily dictate where these bacteria will survive and thrive in the oral cavity. Now, how the bacteria responds to oxygen, which is an important component, that will determine where it can be found in the mouth. So aerobic bacteria need oxygen to survive. Anaerobic bacteria can't live in an oxygen-rich environment. So think about the oral cavity and what you know so far and where you think you would find these types of bacteria, where they would reside. Facultative bacteria can live in both an oxygen-rich or an oxygen-deprived environment. So now that you have like a real basic understanding of what the main characteristics are of the bacteria, it's important to begin to understand how that bacteria functions as part of a team. And that's what we're really gonna focus on. Let's review what's been really comprehensively explained in your Wilkins textbook about the acquired pellicle. Now the acquired pellicle is a thin film and this thin film covers all of the different components in the oral cavity. It's made up of proteins, carbohydrates, and lipids. The pellicle has the opportunity to act as a binding bridge between the tooth surface and the bacteria that forms the dental biofilm. What's interesting about the pellicle is after mechanical brushing, it only takes about 30 to 90 minutes for that pellicle to be completely reconfigured and ready to start the process and attaching to the microorganisms in the mouth. Those early colonizers begin to attach to the pellicle directly after the reconfiguration process is complete. 
that process of dental biofilm production begins right after the pellicle has completed its reconfiguration process, and then those early colonizers begin their formation. The bacteria starts off by creating these thin layers together called co-aggregation. And this is a cell-to-cell -cell action where one bacteria adheres to another. And this is a really significant component in the development of bacterial biofilm. This primary step of the colonization process is a very important step. So think of the early bacterial colonizers like a primer if you've ever painted anything, right? So you need a primer coat on whatever item you're painting in order for the paint to properly adhere. The more advanced bacteria, also known as the late colonizers, they're just not able to attach to the tooth structure or other things in the mouth unless those early colonizers have successfully attached to the tooth surface first. And this is really important in the real basic understanding and foundational piece of understanding biofilm development, biofilm structure and anatomy, and biofilm function. These are all things that you really need to know. So the early colonizers that adhere to the tooth surface, they're characterized by cocoidal forms of bacteria, followed by larger rods and then spirochetes. As you're learning about how the biofilm develops, forms, and grows, keep in mind that there's this really complex communication between each of the microorganisms called quorum sensing. And this is defined as a cell-to-cell -cell communication process, which allows for really efficient functions such as biofilm development, communication, system control, and adaptive construction behavior modification of these microcolonies. I want you to think of quorum sensing as having a cell phone. So imagine if all of these little microorganisms have their own cell phone. So they're able to really communicate well with one another. So picture a very modernized communication system. And that's what this quorum sensing is between the cells that are part of this microcolony. So think about you know, ways for you to really create an understanding as you uh, develop an understanding of, of how this microcolony communicates with one another. The actual periodontal pathogens in the oral cavity, they just kind of hang around, free floating around, waiting for those early colonizers to attach to the tooth structure. So what's really interesting is that the early colonizers let the periodontal pathogens know when it's time for them to join the biofilm party. So they've done all the work, they've laid down their surface adhesion, and then they tell, they signal those periodontal pathogens that are just kind of free floating around, hey guys, it's time to join us. We've created a solid foundation for you to adhere to. So these free-spirited periodontal pathogens really can't join that biofilm until the conditions are just right and those early colonizers have given them the signal. So it's important as a student to remember that the periodontal pathogens are the late colonizers of that biofilm. Those free floaters are just not able to contribute to the disease process unless they've adhered to the biofilm. Now here's the really cool part. 
these free-floating pathogens rely on the non-pathogenic early colonizers in order to attach to the tooth. So why is that important to us as dental clinicians? If the biofilm is disrupted by oral hygiene performed by your patient, then the biofilm will have to start the whole process all over again. And those periodontal pathogens will just be hanging around again, waiting for their chance to join the group. So you can see that those really toxic, virulent periodontal pathogens really have a disadvantage when you have compliance by your patients to do good oral hygiene at home. So what they do on a routine basis really matters at controlling the disease process. The entire process of biofilm creation and function should be really well understood by you, the student, especially when you're considering how oral hygiene contributes to the advancement or the management of both the disease process that we're treating on our patients and the decay process. Now picture in your mind the early colonizers developing a primary layer of biofilm. This adhesion is made possible due to that co-aggregation, which remember is defined as a cell-to-cell -cell connection of one bacteria type to another. Now this process is essentially the foundational characteristic of how biofilm is developed. So now that you have an understanding of how biofilm develops, let's discuss the characteristics of dental plaque biofilms. The early colonizers that attach to the tooth, as well as the co-aggregate with one another, attaching to that tooth structure, it then mushrooms out away from the tooth, forming their very own micro-community of different species of bacteria. The more developed this community becomes, the more different types of bacterial species exist within the colony. Each and every micro-community has its own characteristics around the area of things like pH, temperature, and oxygen concentrations. This trait of this micro-community actually provides it additional protection and adaptive abilities within the environment of the oral cavity. These micro-communities are encased by an extracellular slime layer, also known as an intermicrobial matrix. This slime layer works against our efforts and makes the microcolony more resistant to host immune system responses and also protects that micro-community from things like antimicrobial agents that we typically recommend our patients use. Think about these microcolonies. Because we eat, we talk, we chew, and many other actions, these micro-communities are really subject to inadvertent disruption. The various actions and fluids that we expose these micro-colonies to can change the shape of them, and as a result, create extensions that could dislodge and spread to other areas of the mouth, creating a new micro-colony. This creates a lot of challenges with the spread of disease and infection. The bacteria also becomes more resistant as they adapt, develop, and evolve. What is so interesting about these complex microcolonies is how they grow, develop, and evolve. Think about the fluid channels, and they break through that extracellular slime layer, 
these channels, these fluid channels, make it possible to provide things like nutrients, enzymes, products, and other things that are needed, whatever and wherever they're needed within that microcolony. What's really fascinating is that the bacteria contained within the biofilm in the microcolony is able to communicate and transfer information within the biofilm using chemical signals. So think about all that's going on within the fluid channels, sharing products and the chemical channels, sharing genetic and communication between the bacteria that are in that microcolony. One important character distinction is that the bacteria that reside within the biofilm microcolony produces lots of proteins, which in turn triggers additional adhesion of more bacteria and further development of that extracellular slime layer. Now, that free-floating bacteria that's usually just hanging around waiting to join the group, that does not share this characteristic, so it does not produce any proteins. As a result, the bacteria in the microcolony that are creating the proteins, they are more virulent than the free-floating bacteria. As a matter of fact, antibiotics that are effective at killing the free-floating bacteria would need to be increased 1,500-fold in order to be effective at killing the biofilm-contained bacteria. So essentially, the most effective way to control the biofilm is to physically re Let's discuss the average length of time for this entire process to go from development to maturity. So day one and two, after the pellicle has formed, the early colonizers co-aggregate and then they attach to the pellicle and then they begin to attach to one another and develop. And at this early stage in the process, the biofilm is primarily composed of gram-negative cocci, including strep mutants. Day two to four, at the end of day four, it's important to know that the attachment and formation process has begun and the cocci have successfully multiplied. This is when the slender rods join the surface. In addition, there's also leukocytes present. And by the end of day four, the inflammatory process is capable of being activated. Around seven to 10 days, in the process of biofilm development, there is growth and development of this biofilm and there's a lot more things going on. The filaments, the rods, and the cocci continue to evolve and the gram-negative anaerobic bacteria just continue to develop. Polyphormonis, gingivalis, spirochetes, and vibrios all proliferate. This turns into a very well-organized microcolony of early colonizers and late colonizers. And after about day 10 to anywhere into three weeks, the clinical signs are evident that this biofilm is well-developed because there's an inflammatory response, there's gingivitis present, and then there's clinical evidence and signs of inflammation. So that's your basic development of biofilm and the development of really toxic environments where the pathogens that reside in the oral cavity have an opportunity to really advance the disease process, both caries and periodontal disease. So these are the two diseases that we're dealing with. And so these are the processes that we need to understand. We really have to have a really thorough understanding of biofilm development 
and the importance and significance of biofilm disruption. So think about you in the clinical setting and what you do to really treat this biofilm and really disrupt these pathogens and, and keep all of this disease process under control and manage disease. Think about your use of ultrasonics. Think about how you perform oral hygiene instruction to your patient and helping them increase their knowledge and awareness of the disease process so that they're motivated to continually disrupt those pathogens within the mouth. All of the knowledge and understanding that you have about microbiology and how it relates to the disease processes that you're dealing with in the clinical setting will go a long way at really making an impact on how you convey this information to your patient, as well as how you understand the importance and significance, as well as the limitations of the services and treatment that you're providing. You know, if you have a patient who comes into your office with advanced periodontal infection and you're treating one area of the mouth, think about those other areas of the mouth that have this really virulent, toxic, heavy slime layer, very colonized micro colonies going on, and that those areas can actually reinfect the area that you've treated. So that's just an example of how taking some of the information that you already know and understand about biofilm production and biofilm management and really working that into the clinical setting. And you're going to be doing this more and more as you develop a more in-depth understanding of the entire disease process. But understanding really how biofilm is created but even more important, how it's effectively managed and disrupted. Think about the use of your ultrasonics, right? And those aerosol generating procedures and what that does to the biofilm. Think about a water pick and think about the use of an electric toothbrush and how those mechanical irritants really disrupt the biofilm creation and advancement. So think about all the things in your toolbox and what you've learned so far on your learning journey and start to put the pieces together about the science as well as the application of the science. Thanks for listening today. Join me next time where we will be discussing oral health care delivery systems in the United States. More importantly, how those delivery systems have a direct impact on oral health outcomes. I hope you join me. I would invite you to ask any questions at all that you need answered. Sometimes questions come up when you're listening to this podcast. If you have a question, most likely someone else has the very same question. I'd be happy to answer it and would probably share it in a future podcast.